Hello and welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast, a global leadership show where we speak with passionate achievers in order to dissect the DNA of their success. This podcast is produced in association with the Hindu Business Line, one of India's most respected business newspapers and its campus edition, BL on Campus. In this edition, we have a conversation with Dr. Mohammad Koyomi, the chief advisor to Afghanistan president, Dr. Mohammad Ghani Ahmadzai. He advises the president on economic, educational and infrastructure matters. He was previously the president of San Jose State University and prior to that, president of California State University, East Bay. He was born in Afghanistan and he has the distinction of being the first person of Afghan descent to head a major US university. He has worked in university administration for more than 30 years and has a background in both engineering and business. I met Dr. Kayomi in Ipoh, Malaysia, where both of us were speakers at the Pankhor Dialogue event, considered to be the Davos of the East. In this interesting discussion we covered a lot including leadership through difficult times in war torn Afghanistan the lessons he states is applicable for each of us as we overcome our own challenges let's now listen to the conversation with Dr Mohammad Koyomi Dr Koyomi thank you so much for coming on the Movers and Shakers podcast well thank you very much mr shankar it's a pleasure to be with you As the chief advisor to the president of Afghanistan what does this role entail uh, this role primarily uh, covers the infrastructure area uh, human capital technology and regional connectivity the idea is to think systemically and a lot of the vision that the president have my role is to be able to bring that to implementation you know afghanistan we all know has gone through a very tough time through a tough period of war how has this curtailed the economy and uh, how is it bouncing back uh i think uh, over three decades of neglect and the war really destroyed a lot of the infrastructure that the country had and when I, when i talk about infrastructure i do not only mean the physical infrastructure i'm talking about the legal system i'm talking about uh, the faith of people about uh, the country i'm talking about the human capital that we had the relationships that we had with the uh, with the region and thank god and thanks to very friendly countries such as india that has really helped afghanistan trying to put things back together and try to help afghanistan stand on its uh, two feet so the idea has been how we can bring all of these energy back together and look at the kind of past we had and envision a new future for us thank you You know, Afghanistan is a very gifted country in terms of resources. I remember you showing me a map yesterday that shows about how the country actually feeds almost rest of the all the countries surrounding countries with water. So talk to us about what are the strengths that that Afghanistan has now. Well, first of all, as you mentioned in terms of water, Afghanistan is blessed with to be the upper riparian for five of our six neighbors uh, basically Tajikistan Uzbekistan Turkmenistan Iran and Pakistan in addition to that if you look at the role of where Afghanistan has been the heart of Asia the land bridge that connected for several millennia India to Europe China to Europe Central Asia the, down to the ocean so so I think from all of those aspects we are location as well as our you know water resources our mineral resources an area a very fertile land but above all a people who are really hard working fiercely independent 
and very much interested in moving their country forward. Dr. Gayami, most of the people who are listening to this podcast are professionals, startup entrepreneurs, management students. All of these people really want to learn how to become better, how to overcome adversaries in their own lives. So Afghanistan went through a tough time, but look how beautifully it's coming back in the international scene. So what lessons can individuals learn from Afghanistan? And you have a ringside view of what's happening. Well, first of all, in many ways, adversity sometimes can be more helpful and really bring the best out of us and really help us learn from the mistakes of the past and seeing how we can co-create a better future. You know, Afghanistan has had a lot of these challenges, but what we look at is that we really need to go through all of the steps that other countries have gone through, or uh, with given the, you know, basically the new technologies, given all of the other development that has happened in so many different areas, we can try to leapfrog many of them. And specifically, I think when we look at the confluence of all of these new modern technologies from uh, 3D printing to uh, cloud technology, mobile technology, social media, and whatever, all of them collectively help us uh, try to do that. If I give one example that many third world countries went through. You know, many of us did not have TV systems. We went all straight to color TV. That did not mean that we had to go through black and white and then color. So I think you can use the same thing in terms of, for instance, mobile technologies in the third world countries uh, progressed much faster than the developed countries because we didn't have an alternative. So I think as we look at uh, these uh, opportunities, especially in the new technologies, uh, we really see potentials. And that's where I think the role of the entrepreneur, the role of the innovator, the role of the person who really wants to look beyond what we really have and really have the audacity of imagination to look forward. Those are the people that will be very successful and really look at creation of these uh, small and medium-sized enterprises that are really the fertile ground in building any economy. When we ask Indians where they want a holiday outside, almost immediately what comes to their mind is the Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand. Almost at the same distance or even lesser, it's a beautiful country, Afghanistan, but it never figures on top of the mind. Such picturesque beauty is just an absolutely wow-inspiring landscape. What would be your message to Indians listening to this podcast? Well, I think our message for Indians would be, first of all, the relationship that Afghanistan and India has goes several millennia. We have been great partners. Secondly, culturally, we're so much connected, from poetry to art to many other aspects. Also, when you look at the, the roots of Afghanistan, being you know from the days of Kanishka, Matragupta, and all of those days, there is a, you know when we look at many archaeological sites, when we look uh, from the whole. Uh, Buddhist tradition to the Hindu tradition. There's a lot of even archaeological sites and other sites that will be very much interested uh, for Indians. But also, as you mentioned, in terms of the natural beauty of the country, there's uh, quite a bit that Afghanistan offers. I think part of what we have had difficulty is uh, because of all of the, uh, the three decades of war and everything, we have not had all of the conveniences. We have not had all of the ease for many of the tourists to travel and those are the kind of things that the country is really working on. Thank you. You have had a stellar academic profile. In fact, you were the 28th president of the San Jose State University, 
prior to that, you were the president of California State University at East Bay. There's quite a bit of credential to have. How did you grow up in this academic role? Well, basically, you know, there is a long period of time that I, you know, like everyone else, I started from a very modest beginning where my father was a carpenter with an elementary school education. My mother did not have any education, but both of them had a deep desire for me to excel, and not only me, my uh, my brothers and my sister as well. And through that kind of an interest and hard work and also having good mentors and having some lucky breaks The combination of all of those helped me excel academically. And one of the wonderful things about the United States is it's truly a land of opportunity. So a combination of all of those really helped me move up, starting as a staff engineer at University of Cincinnati to becoming president of uh, Cal State East Bay and then uh, San Jose State, the oldest uh, university in the West Coast, there was this public university in the West Coast in the heart of Silicon Valley, the university that provides more engineers to Silicon Valley than all of the other universities of the world combined. Wow. That's what makes, uh, you know, that was such a thrill and that was such a unique privilege for me to have those opportunities. I'm very curious to know about what specific leadership qualities should you have as the president of a large academic institution for it to function speak and span? Well, first of all, universities are run by tradition rather than rules and regulation. So one of the key elements is uh, for any university leader is to, to recognize and honor the covenant of tradition, yet be a very effective change leader. And so it's uh, playing with the elements of tradition at the same time being an effective a change master. Those are the bringing the two together and really trying to bring people who are smarter than yourselves around you and collectively create, co-create a vision that people would really adapt with. But more importantly, be able to implement mission, vision. Because there are many people who have great visions, but vision without action is a dream. And uh, being able to not only think systemically on the vision, but systematically on how to implement the vision, that's how we can really bring something to fruition. But more importantly, be able to recognize that you have to be able to deal with ambiguity, deal with all of these, you know, so many fast-moving elements, and be able to recognize the great work of others. Recognize that faculty is the heart of an institution. Recognize that the students are the energy that moves forward. And how you can bring these two together for the betterment of a great future, that's what makes university life so exciting and wonderful. Good. Are you, now that you're into government service, are you missing academic life? Well, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always done is that in some ways I've always kept my hand in the academic because I work with the higher education system in Afghanistan and I still do some writings and speak in conferences and and others. So I still keep uh, my hands into that. But part of that is, is, you know, all of us are in the process of being and becoming and trying to see how we can excel ourselves. And this is basically what I've uh, tried to do. And... uh, I look at the current opportunity that I have is something that it's, uh, it's a thrill that my wildest imagination that I could have not imagined it. I've really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to be able to do something for the next generations of Afghan people for, so they have a better life and also be better members of their own community, their region and the world. Beautiful. You've authored eight books. 
how did you get started with the writing and can you tell us one of your favorite ones and talk to us about the titles uh, well the way that I got into writing is yeah before that I had done many presentations but I realized that a presentation is good specifically for that audience for that particular moment but writing is something that has a a staying power and that's why I got into writing and the other part is when you do write you open yourself to all kinds of criticism so in a way it makes you more diligent that you have to look at your facts you have to form your arguments better and uh, really be more diligent and actually learn that topic far more than you ever thought and those are the kind of things that really got me into writing the other part about writing is that you know look yourself from the point of view of the reader why you know for every topic there are literally thousands of books why do you need another book <laughs> what will make this book to be so different what is that particular niche that you're really trying to do what do you, your audience really would like to hear how you can really put yourself in their footstep how can you use the power of story because stories are the currency of humanity and uh, look at your piece as a wonderful musical composition that it has you know in the in the Indian music you have the alap and you have the jala and the gut and uh, you have a whole crescendo that brings the whole thing together how can you make sure that your piece would be that and has a key theme that will reinforce throughout the piece as you put it yes i have had the pleasure of writing uh, eight books and over 100 articles i mean each one of those books had its own life and of course uh, it's uh, near and dear to me But I think you know if I'll just mention one thing about my first book this was a book about electrical engineering especially for the maintenance folks and the idea was how I can write a book about electrical engineering without using a single formula mm. and this was purposeful because I want this is for the practitioners and if I write a lot of complicated formula that will really turn them off but how can I really explain those concepts in a simple form so they understand the basic theory but look at the practical side and that was one of the unique challenges and i you know i really enjoyed that in terms of you know there are two articles that i wrote which i really became you know was very much interest uh, really caught my attention one was uh, an article that i wrote about afghanistan that was published in uh, foreign policy in uh, may of 2011 that in the first three months got 45 million google hits it was how afghanistan was back in the 1970s the beauty of the country the way that people's life was and how modern it was the title was once upon a time in afghanistan and it was translated into over 12 languages and had more than 45 million google hits all across the world and at that time that had the highest article of foreign policy magazine and another one was a short uh, interview only about two paragraphs that i did with uh, with cincinnati chronicle the question that they were asking everyone was uh, what do you fear most and my answer was i fear most if everybody looked alike dressed alike and thought alike and i said that diversity is what makes us interesting and heaven forbid if we all looked that way that we all looked alike and thought alike and dressed alike what, what a nightmare that will be yep. that will be so so those were the two of the pieces that i really uh, that uh, i still am proud of it and i really enjoy even when i talk about it now yeah so 45 million hits you talked about i provided a few of those hits myself so <laughs> so f- much before i met you in person i've read those pieces so it's like uh, thank you for that My next question is something that I ask every achiever that I get on the show which is I'm sure every achiever has made mistakes but what really separates them from the rest is 
how they learn from it and how they bounce back so tell us with a specific example one of the mistakes or a defeats that you had in life but how that made you a better person well uh, you uh, i confirm what you're saying and learning from the mistakes uh, sometimes uh, is more uh, it could be more of a learning opportunity than our successes i mean one will be is that i was very much interested in nuclear engineering i was interested in going into fusion uh, a fusion reactor areas and all of that and by the middle of my master's degree that's when three mile island accident happened so the nuclear industry kind of took a nose dive in the US but i still continued that and then right away i just changed major and then i went back to electrical and computer engineering and did another masters on uh, large systems so and what's a three mile accident Three Mile Island accident. This was the nuclear plant in New Jersey mm-hmm. in 1979, in the spring of 1979, that uh, that had a meltdown. And uh, basically, from that point onwards, for the past three and a half decades, we have not seen a single the start of a single nuclear power plant in the U.S. Uh, so that was one of the major turning points for the, the nuclear industry. And so I realized that, despite the fact that I have such a deep interest, and I. that time I thought that nuclear industry is really going to be the future of the world that would really bring low cost energy to the world but I realized that you know now whether that was for right or wrong reason that's not going to happen yep. so what can I really learn from this and really look at other areas that I can really excel myself but also I've used some a lot of that learning that I got into nuclear engineering and have used it actually in so many other applications brilliant brilliant that is inspiring One last question before we wrap up. What's your vision for the future? What's on your bucket list? What are things that you're absolutely passionate about? Well, I think the most element that I'm passionate about is how I can really provide a learning environment for the youth in Afghanistan because the youth is our future. That's the most valuable asset that Afghanistan has, and especially a country that it's a, you know that more than 3/4 of our population is less than 30 years old. So how can we really be able to use that the dividends of that energy? and the only way we can do that when in a world that it's really moving to be where knowledge economy is really becoming the dominant one how can we really bring the whereabout and the learning knowledge so these individuals can improve their own lives improve their families life the nation the region and the world so if i can do something in that area especially in a country which has been war torn where the standard of education has really you know really dropped quite a bit so how can we really specifically also many girls to learn in the area of science technology engineering and math the stem field and really become technologically fluent and savvy so they can create a better future for the world and for the nation as a whole Dr. Kayami, thank you so much. I absolutely loved your eloquent answers. I love the passion in which you spoke. So thank you so much for taking the time out. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. You were listening to the conversation with Dr. Mohammad Umayyan Kuyomi, the chief advisor to the president of Afghanistan. I hope you enjoyed and benefited from this podcast. You can find all the episodes of this podcast on my website kiruba.com/podcast or on the Hindu Business Line website. If you have any suggestions to improve this show, please do not hesitate to write to me at kiruba@kiruba.com. That's k i r u b a@k i r u b a.com. 
I look forward to seeing you again next fortnight with another mover and shaker. Until then, take care and bye-bye.